Fantastic. Shall we, as always, let's come uh, together and let's pray before we begin. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we just want to thank you that in this moment your spirit is here with us. Jesus, I pray in this moment, God, would you show us your glory? Would you show us your presence? Would you reveal to us who you are? God, I pray, may people's, wherever we've come in with, Lord, I pray that where it's worry, fear, anxiety, doubts, questions, or whether it's happiness, excitement, joy, I pray, Lord, would you encounter and meet us where we're at? God, we want not just an imitation of you, Lord, we want the real thing, Lord, we want you. And God, I, in, that, in that sense, Lord, God, as always, I pray, Lord, anything that's of me, Lord, might be forgotten and blow away in the wind. But God, we just pray, would we just encounter you this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's so good to see all of you. It really is. And uh, the topic of today, as you can see, is uh, withdrawal, and we'll, we'll get into that. But I've got a, a question to ask you, is that for those who perhaps drive, how long do you leave it before you fill up your tank? Okay. And reason being, have, before, we start, before we start, because I passed my test, been driving for a, 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 few, a few years, uh, no worries, no issues, and there was one, one day, it was nice and sunny, well, my mum said, and we were making a trip down to Southampton from Essex, and so um, as we were getting ready, getting in the car, I looked at the, uh, the amount of fuel that I had, and I said, that's absolutely fine, no worries whatsoever, and mum was like, you sure? I was like, no, yeah, we got this, it's okay. And so we jump in the car, we go down to Southampton, we have a fantastic day, but on the way back, you all know what happens. The gauge light comes up. And with, the, with this car, it's a small car, it's a, it's a small silver Honda Civic 1.4. Um, and the gauge comes up, and that says basically you've got 20 miles before it's empty. And so, but the trouble was, we were about 30 miles out. And the petrol station, the nearest petrol station, uh, if you know the M25, you know, the, you know that sort of area, there's no petrol stations on the M25 at that sort of time. So coming back and we're 20 miles out, we're thinking, we're going to be running on fumes. We're close and we're going, God, may, you know, may you help us in this situation. And out of nowhere, this AA van pulls out in front and we're thinking, fantastic. And one goes, well, that's an answer to prayer. I said, it is. So I put my foot down. And she goes, what are you doing? You're using more petrol. I said, well, if we break down, we have to be in front, don't we? <laughs> and so, and, and, and so goes, <laughs> she just looks at me, boy. <laughs> and so we're, so we're there and by God's, by God's miracle, we, we, we creeped into the petrol tank on fumes. You know, and you're, coast, and, you're, and, you're, and you're coasting down the hills to try and save a bit of fuel. But I wonder, how long do we take before we say, you know, we just need a refuel? And from there, I have this habit now of where, um, and I did before, but it just went out of that window for that joint, where it gets to about a quarter of a tank left. When it gets to that quarter of a tank, I think, no, you can get anywhere. So it gets to about a quarter of a tank, and then I start to get a little bit 
okay, I need to go, I need to go fill up. But how many of you here, here, perhaps it gets to about, you've used a quarter of a tank, I'll go fill up. Some people get to about half a tank. I just, I just get to half a tank, I need to go fill up. How many people leave it until it's just like that, that gauge? Come on, I've done it, I've done it a few times. Yeah, we've got some fresh, it's all right. It's okay, we leave it, we think, how far can we go? And then the gauge comes up and we're just there. And it's one of these, one of these times where, especially in this season, in this next moment, I'm just going to say, we're going to read a few statistics. I know some of you have been affected by some of these statistics. So, I don't mean these statistics in a nice way. Here, my heart, our heart is with you, and our heart is for you, and I don't mean to trigger anything, but we're just going to look at some statistics just during this time. And so if we can have, next slide, thank you. The statistics is that, um, it's not that bit, that Glasgow is the third most stressful city in the whole of the United Kingdom. 86% of people who they um, registered said that they were highly stressed at least once a day. 74 of Scottish Elders felt so stressed at some point that over the last year they felt overwhelmed and they couldn't cope. 16% of the adults took it a bit further and self-harmed. 35% of the 86 then, then took it a little bit further and they said they had feelings of suicide. And we know there's people in this room and our hearts go deeply out to you. Really do. We're so sorry. We are so sorry. Our thoughts and prayer of you. You know that fact that two people every single day and it's a tragedy and it gets lost in the statistics and it's just a number, it's just a figure but two people every single day. Three in five adults have admitted, because of the stress coming out of the pandemic and during this time, that they've started drinking, and three of the five people say they drink to cope with the stress. One in seven then admit that they drink during the work just to cope because they can't cope, and so they drink in the evenings and during, so basically they drink all the time because they cannot cope with the stress. Next slide, please. 46% uh, reported that they're stressed due to uh, un unhealth to their food habits. They ate too much or they're unhealthy. 29% reported that um, they're drinking, they started or they increased their drinking. 16% that they had started uh, smoking or increased their smoking. 51% of adults who felt stressed reported feeling depressed and 61% feeling felt anxious. Of the people who said that they'd felt stressed at some point, 16 had said, I'm sorry, words are, jump, words are jumping here if I change, yep. And I was six, at some point, guys, self-harmed, that's the same on the other slide, so I duplicated that. Can the next slide, please? Thank you, 30, 37% of all who reported stressed feeling lo felt lonely as a result. 36% of all adults who reported stress cited their own or friends' long-term health and condition as a factor. 22% debt, and that's increasing now, especially with all the wage, uh, bills and energy bills, increasing cost of living, all that's coming up. And for the people who reported levels of stress, 12 said they felt like they needed to respond. Basically, their social media 
put so much stress that they need to send instant messages because you send a message, you expect to get an instant message back and they felt so stressed that they needed to reply all the time with work habits, with family habits, that that's adding more stress. Kevin, next slide, please. Thank you. 49% of 18 to 24-year-olds who experienced high levels of stress felt that comparing themselves to others was a source of stress which was higher than in any of their other age groups. Younger people have higher stress related uh, to the pressure of success. 60% of 18 to 24-year-olds reported that um, they are stressed, and 41 of the 25 to 30-year-olds who, who were surveyed said they uh, were stressed, compared to 17% of 45 to 54-year-olds and 6% of over 55s. 6% of women who felt high levels of stress related this to their comfort with their appearance and body image compared to 23% of men. Mental health issues. It was reported that mental, although over the pandemic mental health issues were relatively sta stable, they, they said for those who suffered with mental health or, or who had um, anxiety, worries, fears, during this and over this period of time, that has increased to the fact that we know that CAMS and other um, services that are out there are so struggling that there's a three, four, five-year waiting list for some, for some people. And it's crazy, and it's, and it's huge. And, in this and especially in this time and during this space, coming out of the pandemic with more pressure coming on, there's just so much that's coming our way. And one of the things that we want to talk about and chat about, going back to the title, is withdraw. One of my, one of my heroes is my granddad. My granddad when, when, was an absolute legend. And I wish I could be more like him. He would... He, he uh, him and his grandma, they had a bungalow, and he had uh, a seat next to the front window of their house. And he would sit sideways, and there would be a little radiator there, and a window ledge, and he'd put his tea there. And he'd look out into the small garden before he could then go onto the road. And every single morning, without fail, before anyone woke up, he would be up there with a cup of tea in hand, reading his Bible, praying for every single member of the family, before anyone woke up. And he did this day in, day out, regardless whether he was ill or not. And if he couldn't make it downstairs, he would do it in his bed. And occasionally, when we're, we're kids would sneak, we'd sneak down, or wake, we'd wake up early and go down, and we'd catch him doing it. And I remember going up to him and saying, Granddad, what are you, do, what are you doing? And you know, as kids do, he's trying to pull the pages and he's trying to do, do that. But often, often he'll just pick me up and just put me on his knee. And he'll be like, what's that? What's that? And even though the majority of the time I could not understand it, he would read it. And he would, he would share and he goes, this, this, I remember. I remember. And say, James, let's pray. And it's one of the things I wished, looking back, I wished, I wished I started that sooner. I dismissed it. 
I thought, it's a nice, it's, it's, it's nice habit. It's not saying, I wish I could do that, but it was there, it was an idea, but it was never really put into practice to, to do that at that time. And looking back, looking back, I think, oh, if I only had done, done that, how many wasted times? Because in this day and age, we've got all the stress. How many things are just instant? Because we go through life, work, stress, we've got, fam- we've got fam- family. There's so much pressure from all these different directions that come our way. Sometimes when we just want to get home, we just want to crash, we just want to watch a film, we just want to open uh, Facebook, we just want to go on the computer, we just want to do something, and we scroll, we do something to distract us because we just want to forget perhaps the day, we don't want to do that. But in, do- but in doing so, then it's time to, okay, we just need to go get some food, we just need some friends, and it's just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's almost like we're constantly scrolling to do stuff, and then we go to bed, and it's the next day, and we don't withdraw. We don't stop. There's no time for reflecting. And it gets to a point when we go, I just need to go back to church. Because we've been away for a little bit. I just need to get back to my prayer life. I just need to get back to reading the Word. I just need to get back to doing all these things and we start putting them in place. And for me, distractions, um, I think I've got a little bit of ADHD because I'm just like, screw and you're looking around, and you start doing something, and if you're like me, and you go into a bit of prayer time, and you're there, and you think, God, here I am, and then you think, oh, did I get the milk? And then you go, okay, God, I'm here, I'm here, and it's like, I wonder who's, I wonder who's praying today. Okay, let's, let's keep, keep praying, and you get distracted, and there's so many distractions, it's like, oh, I forgot to do that email, I forgot to send that, I forgot to speak to that person, and as you're saying, God, I'm here, we're not because we're distracted. Anyone else do that, or is that just me? That's just me, fantastic, that's great. Can you teach me how to be more like you? I need to learn better. Um, I'm sorry, God. Um, and so, that's, 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 that's me, but it takes, it, takes, it, just, it takes time. It takes time. But why don't we turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. We're going to go from verse 7 and go from there and see where we end up and Exodus 33 and should be up on screen thank you guys at the back now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp far off from the camp and he called it the tent of meeting notice Moses is leading the Israelites. They come out of Exodus, and then and he sets up a, t- a tent, a tent of meeting. It's outside. It's outside. This is before the tabernacle is is, is set up. But he goes and he sets it up outside, away, distant. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Each would stand at his tent and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. And as a man speaks to his friends, can you imagine that? Can you actually imagine that? How awesome that is. Put yourself in Moses' position that he's there. He goes into the meeting and the, the cloud descends. 
Picture it. The cloud descends. I wonder how far he could see in front of his face. I wonder how thick it was. I wonder how heavy it was. I wonder what it was like to hear God's voice going and speaking to you face to face. It's an awesome thing. And when Moses turned again to the, into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Remember that. Moses, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know who, whom you will send me with. You have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, consider to that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Repeat that. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For, ha- for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? And, it, and your people, it is... N- so the words are jumping around, excuse me. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? When we go with us, it's distinct because he is with us. And I your, and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. I don't know, I wonder if he actually knew what he was asking. But isn't that our prayer? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by I will put you in a cleft on the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back but my face you shall not see and then in Exodus 34 The Lord passed. The Lord passed, and sorry, sorry, words jump around. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, "The Lord," and sorry, excuse me. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, "The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, for for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgressors." And sin.
I wonder. There's a few phrases in that. It says, if your presence doesn't go with us. We hear that again in, in, in Samuel, don't we? When David says, you know, if, you, if, if your presence don't, although we're going in this way, if your presence doesn't go with us, what use, what use is to it? We, we can succeed in life. We can, we can get jobs. We can do so many things, but out of our own strength. But if God's presence isn't there, what's the point? What's the point? What makes us distinct? How often, and myself included, how often do we go through life and because of the stress, because of all the stuff that's coming our way and the pressure of life and family and struggles and health that we try to get from social media, friends and other, pe- and other people that we cannot get, we can only, just, we can only get that from God. But you see it time and time again. That we think, do you know what? We're just going to go recharge up with, with friends. We're just going to, we just go do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do a quick purchase and, quick, and get a quick dopamine hit and think, oh, that's going to be amazing. And then it lasts off to five seconds. I think, okay, now I've got to pay for that on the credit card. And then it's an end of spiral, isn't it? Some things we can only get from God. And some things we can only get from actually knowing God. And in doing so, for Moses, he withdrew. He withdrew. We know when the tabernacle was then built, it was placed in the, in the middle of the camp. We know that. But there was a place for Moses that through the leading of the I would not like to lead those people at that time. I'm glad it was Moses and not me. Don't you think that? Honestly. Having to deal with grumblings all day long. We didn't get enough bread. We haven't, we haven't got any meat. Where's the, where's, the water? where's the water? That tribe's got this. What about our, what about our, what about our tribe? And the scrolling. And I'm thinking, you should have just left us back in Egypt because you know, a good beating's better than going through the wilderness. Because effectively, that's what they're saying. Can you imagine being, being, Moses, being Moses? You've got you've done all, all the things and God's leading and showing him. I wonder how frustrating. And, and even God's getting fed up. You see, you read it in Exodus, like God's getting fed up and says, Do you know, and the people are grumbling and they sinned and he sends a plague and Moses goes, and he stands before God and says, no, and, he, and Aaron has to get the, the censer from the, from the tabernacle and he runs out into the, into the people. And so the people, it makes it the ground holy so the plague stops. And time and time again, Moses is, is with God and they're trying to work and work for these people just complain, I'm glad it's Moses, not me. I think I wouldn't have lasted as long as Moses. I think I would have just gone, you know, forget it. Day, day, day two, forget it. But he needs that place of encounter. He needs that place of, I know God, I know his character. And so when the struggles come, when the people are complaining, when he's going through life, he knows the encounter. He knows God for himself so he can go through those hard times. 
We know in the New, we know in the New Testament, Jesus comes, he die, when he die, dies, and he dies on the cross, we know that the temple curtain is, is cut, split straight in two, so we now can walk into the holies of hosts, because Jesus, when he rose again, he sent his spirit, and his spirit lives in us, so we are now the temple of his Holy Spirit. We are his dwelling place. We are his tabern, that is that tabernacle. But I wonder in, in some instance, and I don't mean this in a judgment or condemning way, I was mainly speaking to myself as, as well as that, but how many times do we just go through the motions and we, try and tr- we just try and tr- treat it? And although God's there, we just go through the motions of, okay, I pray, I pray a little bit, and we don't really just sit and wait and say, God, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait and I'm not going to move until I hear your voice. We've lost that. That's one of the things that I loved about my granddad. He was steadfast, unshakable. He was bold, he was courageous. He was strong, he was really firm, but he was really loving. And very generous and very gracious. And when he spoke, he didn't speak very often, but when he spoke, you listened. Even, if he, even when he whispered, the room went quiet. We could bet at Christmas time it would turn into a food fight. And if my granddad started speaking, the food fight would quieten down because they wanted to listen to what granddad was saying because there was that level of respect. Because we know whatever he said. And sometimes it might be pastor's more peace because he'll be wanting to flick it and join, and join, in, the, join in the fight. But there was that level of, we, there was that level of he knew what it was. And going through, those hard t- going through those hard times when we don't have those places of withdrawal, when we don't set time away to encounter a true living God, when we don't set those times and say, do you know what, I'm going to try and pray a bit more than a couple of minutes. I'm going to try and read my Bible. I'm going to try and chew over it. I'm going to try and encounter it. I'm going to try and get to know God because I want to know what makes him laugh. I want to know what makes him smile. I want to know what makes him delight. I want to know what makes him dance. I want to know what makes him sing. I want to know what makes him rejoice. I want to know who he is. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know what makes him smile? It might sound silly, but this year I've just been praying, God, um, What's your favorite joke? And you think, why? why? Because I want to get to know his sense of humor. I want to know a little bit more about, about him. There was one instance I was, I, was, I was praying, and it was just in the front room with, with Poppy, and we're, and we're playing around, and we're doing some, something much, um, mucking around and Poppy is there and she's, pl- and she's playing and she's singing and she's dancing and she's doing her little thing and I get this overwhelmed sense of him saying this is what makes me happy and that was an answer to a prayer of, for me constantly saying God what makes you happy what makes you smile and in that moment he goes this does and it's just one of these moments that passed one of these passed by but in this moment I was like I was like, okay, tearing up, and Poppy's going, you okay? You know, Dad, are you okay? Because you see the tears coming down. I was like, I'm okay, I'm okay, okay. And she goes back to, and goes back to playing. 
Like it's one of those things where I'm, encount- I'm going, God, I want to know you. I don't just want to go through the mundane and the routines and turn up on a Sunday, because turning up on a Sunday is good and we should do that. It's part of the building each other up, it's part of the gathering, it's part of worshipping. But if all we have is a Sunday, and we're not focused on a Sunday, because so many things are coming and going, and myself included, so many people you're trying to do, sometimes it's hard to focus. It's got to be more than a Sunday morning. Because I don't know about you, but I've hit those times where, although I know that the Holy Spirit lives inside me, although I know that God will never leave me or forsake me, I know that he will never abandon me, there's been times where it's just felt like I've been in absolute total darkness. I was like, God, don't you know what I'm going through? Really? Don't you know what's before me? Don't you know what I'm having to, don't you know what I'm having to deal, with, deal with? And there's times that I contemplate, should I just give it up and go? Should I just walk, should, you know, I don't, I don't need this, just do a nine to five job and everything will be everything will a bit more fine. Just know why, just know, know why it's. But the reason why I don't is because I know his character. And when you ask people, why don't, if you're going through these hard times, why don't you go and do something else? Why don't, why go, why don't you go and do, why don't, why don't you go this way? Why don't you go? So they won't move because they know the character of God. And sometimes they say, well, where is God in all of this? I can't feel him. I can't, I can't, I'm not hearing him. It just seems like dancing around. And he's like, it's the character of God in whom you trust is holding and sustaining you. And if you take that and apply that into a Job site experience where everyone's around and doing evil and God is saying, do you know what, look at my servant Job. Even though everyone's doing their own thing, look at the integrity that him. And some of you need to know, even though you're going through the darkest periods of time, yes, God hasn't left you, God hasn't forsaken you, he is with you. But there's that moment of, you know for yourself the presence of God and his character because you've gone through it and that's the only thing that's kept you going. And in that moment when the enemy's trying to get at you, God's saying, see, my servant, my faithful servant. And it's flipping that mentality. Do you know him? Do you know the presence of God? That waiting... That being still, that like me, I'm just being, every, every couple of minutes, just get distracted and come back and say, God, okay, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm back again. Or you fall asleep, if you're like me, occasionally you fall asleep. And a few minutes later, you, you wake up. And so it's like, but that's okay as well. Because there's peace in the presence of God. One of the times, I've shared this before, one of the times, I believe what I believe what I believe, 
not just because Jesus died and he rose again, and I believe that he rose again, is because some of you may know, some of you may have heard the story, some of you may not have heard the story, the encounter, and it's high school, I'm in the school playing field, and there's a fight going on between a couple, a couple of people, one of them's my friend, and I go in and I try and, I try and jump in, and as I go to um, hit this guy, the presence of God just comes and just makes, makes me just like stand to attention and I cannot move, my eyes closed. I'm like one of those guards outside Buckingham Palace and this person apparently is taking one and running, he's running up and he's hitting me full pelt in the face and I should be getting bruises, I should be falling over but I don't move, I don't know he's doing that, I don't move. All that's going through my head is, even though his presence is there, all that's going through my head is I should be hitting this guy, I should be, you know, I need to get up and he's hit this guy because I've hit this guy, he's going to get back up, he's going to pile me and all of a sudden I just get this wave and I hear God's voice saying, you don't have to fight anymore. And all that's going through my mind is nothing. Oh, great, God, you're amazing. It's like, I need to hit this person again. <laughs> that's, 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 and he's, he's going, you don't need to fight anymore. I will fight for you. But I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, I just need to hit this person. And this wave of love just kind of hits us. And before I know it, what seems like eternity was... A few, a, a few minutes, and then my eyes, because the, the, I wake up, uh, almost wake up for one expression, expression, my eyes open up because the school bell uh, rings and it's the end of lunchtime. I'm thinking, you just got to get back to class. And everyone's there looking at me going, what are you doing? But that's, and I know what I know and I believe what I believe because in those moments where we're going through those hard times, sometimes it's not in those moments. It's looking back and saying, that was a moment I encountered. I experienced. I went to join, I went to join the army because I got fed up with working for the council. So I thought, I'm going to join the army. I've always wanted to join the army. And I go in, I get in the, I'm getting the packs and, all the, and they're chatting to us. And, about, and as I'm leaving... The building, and you have to go through all the, lock, the locked gates because it's all locked, because it was all it was all locked due to threats. And you go out, and as I was going, I was going back into work. I heard him say, "Throw that away." I heard an audible voice say, "James, throw that away." I kept the DVD <laughs> because I was like, I just want to see what the DVD's like. So all the signing up forms and all that lot went in the bin. But I kept the DVD, but I never opened it. I never watched it. It was there. Oh, every time I went to go open it, I was like, no, I'm just going to watch something else. But I was like, I just wanted to see. There's another time where there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few uh, where I've heard his voice, and one of them was a couple of years ago. Um, strangely enough, some, the Holy Spirit's voice sometimes sounds like other people. And I was in the back hall, and it was the holiday club. And I was, I was, chatting, I was chatting to Mark, who's at the back. I was chatting to Mark, and the, something was happening over at the hatch. And so I put my camera where the PA is. I turned over to look, to look at the hatch and see what was going on there. And I could have, hand on heart, heard Mark say, James. So with that, I just turned. I went, yes, mate. And at that moment, the speaker fell off the wall where I was standing, and I should, have, I should have been at least got concussion, knocked out. But if you check out the speaker on that wall, literally, literally, I took one step, and as I took that step, it fell down behind me. I felt it scrape my T-shirt. 
there's another time where I was coming back from a, uh, uh, my cousin's stag do in London. And I, par- I parked and I was going to, down to Southampton. And so, but getting the, getting the train out of, out of London, I knew I had to get on a, a certain train. And so I went, to, I went to get on. And then there was like this presence, this voice just said, just put this feeling in, not that one. And as I was going on, I just stopped, and then the train, the doors closed because you're running for it, just clopped, and the train went out. I was like, that's great. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've now got to wait a half hour for the next one. That's half hour onto the journey. Great. Nice one. The next train comes, get on it, go, get in the car. And as I'm traveling down, there's one of the slip roads. Or, uh, when we get on the main road, turning off, there's a slip road. Going around the slip road, there's this lorry and this me- there's this mashed up car with bits all over the road. And because there's bits all over the road, it's dark, it's late, it's night, night, it's raining, it's hard to see it. So I went over a bit of the, um, the rubble and got stuck in the car, so I managed to uh, stop, stop the car. But in chatting to the driver, in chatting to the people who were there, they said basically that was about a half hour ago. So basically, I would have been in that crash, or I would have been around at that time. And it's been time and time again, I know, I know, I know, because there's been encounters, but there's also been encounters where we, were, we, took, a load of ki- we, we took a load of kids to the ultimate event, and God was just amazing. Because we wanted to see um, Delirious, and Delirious, and there was other bands, there was that... Um, Alton Towers, so you go and you take you go to Alton Towers to go on the rise, and later on in the afternoon, evening, there'll be a concert. And one of the headliners was Delirious that um, that year. And if the band if the band was here, we were stand we were were literally we were were, sta- were, were standing probably around in this around this middle aisle off to, off to the stage with all the kids it's round it's jammed you can't you can't move you're like sardines and one of the leaders just gets this sense of God's wanting to do something and we're all looking at him and, then, and at that moment one of the youth who goes I'm not going I'm not going to name it just starts to manifest both good and bad and they're shaking, and we're looking at each other going, okay, because you can't move. You can't lay them down. Then, but next next, next, thing, next thing, the other leader would describe as this, this heat, this, a bit like if you've seen kind of Independence Day when the alien ship comes down, you have that beam that comes down. It just, it just felt like this beam just come down, and with that, she went, and we had to move and get people to move back, and we had to, and we had to lay her down and put stuff, and she was properly shaking. But then when, when that happens, another person started. Another person. And some of the kids just turned to each other and started praying for each other. And so we're, this, what was in this group just started get this host just started appearing because we're having to lay people down because God's hitting them and God's coming upon them and the presence of God is there. And so we're having to put them down and put sweatshirts, bags underneath their, underneath their heads. And... Not only, not only that, there's other youth groups around and there's other kids around and they're coming over to the, our, some of the, youth, the kids and our kids saying, would you, pray, would you pray for me? And before, and some of the kids saying, what do we just pray? Just say, kingdom, God, your kingdom come. And before they even got to kingdom, the kids would be on the floor. And the youth leaders would be like, well, what, what are you doing? And we're like, we're not doing anything. 
we, we just try to find bags and pillows. Have you got extra bags? And actually, this, this hole appears, and these kids are experiencing encountering God in that time, and that's all God, and that's not us. And it's like, God, what are you doing in that moment? But a few people were just open to what God was wanting to do, and it affected many. To so point that we didn't see, although Delirious was playing, they came up apparently, they sang a few songs. Although it was their background noise, because we were trying to deal and work and work with, we didn't see them and we didn't hear them. And the kids were that were some of these kids were on the floor for about a good two, two and a half, three hours. Even so, when everyone had then had to leave, the security guards and all the people gathered around these group of kids. And like you have to move because the the people who are clearing up are coming to and they're on the machines and we're like, we can't move them. And like, we're well, going to have to. And some people are saying, oh, but they're, but they're drunk. They, you know, they, they've all had too much alcohol. They've had too much weed. They've had SD. You know, whatever. it's a kid's thing. So they're bouncing. It's like, it's not, it's not, it's not. And one of them, luckily, was, uh, um, went, to, went, to, went, went to the um, church, of, uh, church of England when I was a, a, a kid. And so one of the leaders turned around, turned around and went, if you've been to church, do you remember Acts 2? Do you remember... Do you, do, you remember, do you remember that? And the person went, I vaguely remember. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And he's saying all the guys, no, 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 it's, no it's, it's, it's okay. But we had to carry these kids. And the, yes, the rest of the youth had to carry these kids a mile to the coaches. So, we, we, so some, some of the kids were like, get, grab a foot each, grab a foot each, and, you, and you're doing that, and so you're doing this. Some of them got, you know, you're doing fire, you're doing fire, fire and this, and when you're lifting them, they're just out. And in the coach going back, because we hired a couple of coaches, the, the, the young people were split over two coaches. And one of the coaches, this girl who'd, who'd come with the youth group, um, was sitting next to one of the lead leaders and started manifesting on, with the Holy Spirit, just started shaking with the Holy Spirit, and then went out. Woke back up and said, who's got a bad back? And one of the leaders next to him going, don't, don't know. Um, and so they shouted out, who's got a bad back? And someone put their hand up and they came back down to the coach and they're praying for them, got healed, went back. She went, she went back out again, like a light. Two minutes later, woke back up. Who's got bad knees? <laughs> we'll pray for you. And then, and, and then someone said, I've got bad... And then this, this girl girl said, I've got bad knees. I, I can't do ballet anymore because I've got bad knees. Came, healed, went back. And it happened a couple more times. But at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the car, what was hap- happening, Deeflia turned around to this, turned around to this girl and no more than 14, 15 years of age. And she said, I don't know what's happening here. I've encountered Jesus, but I need to go to confirmation class. She hadn't even believed and wasn't a Christian. She encountered God in that moment. She hadn't raised her hand up in a church service, hadn't been baptized in the Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, apart from that kind of encounter. I have no framework for that. But God wanted to move. There was an encounter, and they, apparently they felt for about five, ten minutes they felt like it was it was raining on that coach. 
the coach which I was on, we had to, we were, low, we were carrying the kids on and literally we came, it wasn't just a Pentecostal church that went. We had the Methodist with us, we had the Baptist with us, we had the Brethren with us, we had a mixture and we filled up these two coaches and they've been on this coach for about an hour. They're pretty, you can imagine, they want to go home. And so we, we, and so, but we literally have to make a, 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 basically this line up, up, the, up the corridor and basically we're, we're having to just almost like, you know, the sacks pass the sacks down. The, we're doing that with the kids. And one of the leaders at the other, a couple of leaders at the other end, lifting them in, lifting them in, lifting them in, lifting them in. And ten, ten of them woke up and they're, cry, and they're crying because they encountered God and someone said, do you want to believe? And the ten, ten of the kids became a Christian because they encountered. And that moment, as much as the other churches were, were hating, they were like, come on, we want to go, we want to go, we want to go. Amongst all this happened, there was an encounter which for some of them has never left them. Couldn't make it up. There's an encounter where it was a won't mention her, how are we doing for time? Won't, won't mention her name. She had cerebral palsy, and it was just a Friday night youth group. The music was blaring, was, 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 go, was out, on the, out on the back, and um, they're just playing pool, playing video games. And one of the kids was like, I just want to, I think we should just pray for a couple of people. And so it was like, knock yourself out. And so the and so they did, and then they went over to this one of the youth group that had cerebral palsy, and she did, she never walked, she she never walked straight. She her feet would be in, and her knees would be bent, and she'd be walking around like this the whole time. And it took her ages to walk everywhere, and it tired her out because of the condition. The youth prayed for her. The Holy Spirit came. She. She was, out like a light. she was out like a light for about two hours. The fact that when it was time to tell all the kids it's time to go, she was still out, and we had an irate dad come up the stairs and say, you know, where's my, where's my daughter? And we're like, there. And we're trying to explain. He's like, okay, so we, have to, we, help, we help him carry his daughter down, down to the car. She's still, she's still out. Put the seatbelt on. He takes her home. Him and his wife carry back into bed. She's still out. She wakes up the next morning and walks into school totally healed. But not just that. It's the first time she's, she's never done PE before in her life. She takes her PE kit and she does the 400 meters the first time and she wins it. But there's an encounter there that one person out of the youth, when all of us were just doing the normal youth group thing, let's just play music, play, one person said, you know, I'm just going to withdraw and start praying. There's that withdrawing, there's that spending time, I'm going to withdraw, I want to try and see and listen to see what God is, is doing. And there's an encounter, there's encounter moments where God breaks out and there's no t- reference and frame reference for it. God will do what he wants to do. 
And if you always try and put a box around, no, God, you only move in this way, you only do this way, you only do this way, then we'll be disappointed because actually he wants to do other things. And you'll be amazed of how actually you'll be walking down the... If you set that time and say, God, what do you want to do in this day? What do you want to do speaking to this person? You set those times of encounter, not just of withdrawing, but also being withdrawn, but present in those conversations. And seeing what God wants to do, you'll be amazed. In the verses that we've just read, it said that Joshua, when the glory, when when the when the cloud came down, Joshua was there. He stayed. He didn't leave. He was there when there was nothing going on at all. When he's twiddling, you know, twiddling the thumbs. I know God's going to be here at some point, but he's not here now. He might be getting bored. There might be jobs, but he's, he's there. He's, he's Moses' assistant. There's nothing, there's nothing there, but he's making space and time there because he knows sooner or later, if he stays in that position, God's going to turn up. And as Moses is there with the glory of God, he is there in that same experience he's in there encountering the same as God and he's the one that gets raised up to be the leader when Moses passed away and what does and when Miriam and Aaron rise up against Moses and start grumbling God says no I speak to you in riddles the prophets I speak to you in riddles but the people who know me the people who have I encountered, the Moses, I speak face to face. I don't speak in riddles. I don't give dreams. I don't give things that they've encountered me. I speak to them face to face. And the same way when in, in, Josh, in Joshua 1, it says that, in the, just as I was with Moses, the same will I be with you. Why? Because he's learned to be in that space. He's learned to encounter that space. And we know that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we know that we can have that encounter, encounter but that we don't worship the encounter. We worship God. If you're always worshipping the experience, you'll go from one bit to the next bit to the next bit. And if you don't get an experience, you're always going to be left disappointed. But if you faithfully turn up, if you faithfully withdraw and say, I'm making this space, I'm going to create this space, I'm going to say, God, if you don't, but even if I don't feel, don't feel you, I don't hear you, I am going to sit and know that you are God because I need this time. Holy Spirit, would you come and refill me, refresh me? And even if you don't feel it, if you don't know it, he is there and he's doing it. In those times when you do get an experience, you get a moment, hear a voice, know it makes it all more and more special. Why? Because you've waited you haven't gone five minutes up. I'm going. And even in your time schedule, I know everyone's time schedule are crazy, but even if, you, if we start being purposely and saying, you know, I'm going to set 10 minutes aside, 15 minutes aside, that's going to be my spot. That's going to be my quiet time. For myself, this year, I noticed last year, I 
should have perhaps been re- my, 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 my Bible reflecting, my Bible studying was there, but my Bible reflecting wasn't quite there as where it should be. So this year I've decided to, um, I've got a USB stick with, the, with, with someone reading the, uh, reading the Bible, and that's in the car. And so every time I get in the car, the Bible's being uh, sp- spoken out, and it gives me, okay, so it's this 10-minute journey. I'm going to chew, I'm going to reflect, I'm going to mull over what is being um, spoken here. I want to think, because I want to not just state it, but I just want to reflect. I just want to know what's being said. I just want to reflect. I just want to ponder on this, because um, there's a guy... Um, I think it's slide 11, slide 11. And Andrew Newberg, um, an American neuroscientist, um, said this. Intense long-term contemplation of God and other spiritual values appears to permanently change the structure of those parts of the brain that cannot control our moods. That cannot, that can. Sorry, they're jumping out. The brain that control our moods give rise to our conscious notions of self and shape, our sensory perceptions of the world. Contemplative practices strengthen a specific neurological circuit that generates peacefulness, social awareness, and compassion for others. Religious and spiritual contemplation changes our brain in a profoundly different way because it strengthens our unique natural circuit that specifically enhances social awareness and empathy while subduing destructive feelings and emotions. There you have, when we contemplate the word of God, when we encounter, you have transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not just physically, but not just in a spiritual but it's like I'm thinking, I'm contemplating and doing that, setting aside, setting a time, setting space to reflect changes. And I think one of the best ways that we judge ourselves of how we're doing with our walk with God is by saying, How much do I love God? But also in reflection that how much do I love other people? If we love God but don't love other people, something's wrong in our discipleship walk. There's something's wrong with our encounter walk. Something's wrong with our, because there's that, it goes both hand in hand. There's that compassion. We start to see what God sees. And in those quiet times when sometimes it's tempting to come with our to-do lists of God, you know, this needs to happen, we need this, 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 this. We know from um, the Lord's Prayer, the first couple of lines that says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And what do we find time and time again? Jesus with Jesus, he goes off into subdued places and, and reflects and has, that, and, ha, and has that quiet time with God. It's just him and the Father just spending quiet time withdrawing, with, with getting recharged, getting, fo- getting focused for what's ahead. And when it's in Gethsemane, in Mark 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane, time and time again, there's places where Jesus goes alone and you can read that, the Bible in, um, in Luke 6 or 5, it says that Jesus went alone to desolate places alone, often by himself. But sometimes he would take his disciples because he wanted to, just like Moses modeled it with Joshua, 
Jesus models it with his disciples of how to, to pray. But Jesus turns around in Mark 14, 32. And he says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to, great, and to be greatly distressed and troubled and said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to the even to death, remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, Daddy, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but you will. And in those withdrawn, quiet times, perhaps that's our prayer, or saying, God, I'm not going to come with a to-do list. I'm not going to come. I just want to sit and not my will, but your will be done. I know time is going, and I know for some of you, there's not much time during the week to create space and to create time. And so for this next because for this next few moments we'll spend spend time there. We're gonna do we're gonna do ten, 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 ten minutes. We go ten minutes, the backers go just play some music and this is your time Use it or lose it to say, God, in your heart, say, God, here I am. Your will be done.